1: Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club.
2: NFL Total Access is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio.
3: It's Thursday, April 13th, and you're listening to NFL Total Access, the podcast.
2: <gasps> That is the voice of today's special guest. Put a, little, put a little note on the end of your line there. Thank you so much. You know him as the snappily suited and cool guy booted co-host of NFL Total Access, the broadcast. He's the New Yorker responsible for the smooth vocal rhythms on the NFL Explained podcast. He's our go-to for Giants hot takes, hip-hop hot tracks, and Pac-12 prospects he's the sweet potato kid he's mike yam welcome back to the pod yammer
3: a lot of different ways we can go with this one you told me you don't like any of my suits so you're saying differently on the podcast which i appreciate (laughs) and two i actually added to the playlist the pre-show playlist so you might hear some new tracks let's hear it a little bit later oh i do can we afford can i take out the phone no you're right you can't
2: you can't uh okay so that does our listener no good but thank you (laughs) it'll be good for the It'll, it'll be strong I am your host, NFL Network senior writer Andrew Levy, and on today's show, TikTok, we are on the clock. Our countdown to the draft lands us in the Warehouse District of New Orleans, Louisiana. Just take Poydras Street to Sugar Bowl Drive and you'll see it. It's the unmistakable landmark, the Caesars Superdome, the home of the New Orleans Saints. So for one day only, spell all your O's. With an E-A-U-X, grab a po' boy from Harold and Bells Ooh. and let's settle in for a celebration of what the Saints have been, are now, and will be. That is on the way, along with an interview with Saints wideout Rashid Shaheed on the trick to building chemistry with Derek Kah Okay, lose the accent. Let's see what else we got. A new mock draft sees quarterback prospect Will Levis race past. Anthony Richardson on the board, cracking the top five. Are we buying it? More to the point, is Mike Yam buying it? Pretty sure Anthony Richardson, Mike, is not buying it. And I think we should ask him. Because, you know, he's here. That's right. The most intriguing of all this year's prospects is on the show. Plus, four NFL teams with two first-round draft picks. That's called draft capital. How should they spend it? That's called draft leverage. How should they apply it? But first this on a proposed change of ownership in washington dc what would the josh harris led ownership group be getting a team that finished 2022 eight eight and one not a winning team not a losing team a team that hasn't though won a playoff game since 2005 but a team that is the eighth most valuable sports franchise on planet earth time for a change
3: uh, real estate is meaningful, apparently. you yeah, darn right, right it is. He's location, it location, to, location.
2: No The doubt. swamp that is Washington, D.C.
3: Look, I think the one thing you didn't add to the equation is also playing in one of the more competitive divisions in all of football. So I think that's also a little bit of an uphill battle right now that washington is going to be facing but at the end of the day i still think you and i talk about
2: this you're a commander's fan so you're you're watching closer tabs than most and let me clarify the swamp reference that's not a political statement washington dc was in fact built on a swamp look it up i think there's still upside on on a variety of
3: levels with this football team i don't think they're that far away number one and number two i actually am kind of looking forward to the sam howell experiment if if The Taylor Heineke edition taught us anything. And this is not a Washington thing. I think this is a holistic quarterback view take. We're so used to gravitating towards the names that we know and the guys that we've seen on a regular basis. Taylor had success, and he was a spark plug for this team. So I think there's something to the Sam Howell experiment, and hopefully Eric bien uh, is able to, to, to coax some consistent play at that position.
2: All right, listen, I love your positivity. I share it. I think anytime you have a total defense in the NFL that is ranked in the top five, which yeah. the commanders do, that is uh, foundational for success so let's build on that Washington Commanders and Josh Harris if you and your group do get approved for the ownership welcome to Washington DC thank you in advance for everything that you do uh let's do it right shall we next topic OBJ says his main goal in joining the Ravens is playing with Lamar Jackson of course don't take my word for it OBJ the mic is yours
4: obviously I would assume that it's going to work out you know I have that that faith and that hope and um, Lamar, I know if you're watching, you know, and, um, <laughs> I would love to, to love to get to work with you. I'll, I'll talk to these guys over here and, uh,
2: you know, hopefully that gets done. Okay, Mike Am, if you went to Hamilton during that legendary first run and you found out as you took your seat that it was a Lin-Manuel Miranda understudy night, you'd be pissed. you would be pissed. You no, me? come on.
3: Come on, get that reference.
2: Are you expecting the Lamar to OBJ partnership to be an on-field duo, not just an on-roster duo? You're also talking to a guy that couldn't afford the tickets to go and see Hamilton
3: on Broadway. I was watching it on Disney Plus
5: Good for you. So, as you um,
2: should. As you should. And if you haven't yet seen Hamilton on Disney Plus, I still think the recommendation applies. That's a timeless one. Was, Please. What was the but, original question? Again? Yeah, sorry. OBJ, I was thinking about OBJ Hamilton. Oh, yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Lamar Jackson, will we see this on on the field? Are but, we going to see this on the Okay, field? I want to give you, tell you
3: I want to give you credit for this because you asked a question yesterday in our meeting about uh, Brandon Copeland, who's obviously played, he's one of our our guest analysts now on on Total Access. Played for the Ravens. You asked a question that I think all of us were sitting in the room. No one asked it. I think partly because I wanted to get out of the room. So the long, if I speak, the longer <laughs> Just the meeting up, is. shut up, This almost no, 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 over. But you asked the question, and I think it's so appropriate. Which is, does OBJ not call Lamar and talk to him right. before he signs and say, "Yo, man, like you're playing here, right?" Because. OBJ, and I get it, maybe the dollars in the market were so off base that OBJ wanted reportedly 15 million, gets 15, incentives can push that to 18, and he goes, you know what, it don't matter who's throwing me the football. If it's a pro bowler named Tyler Huntley, I'm gonna be okay with it because quite honestly, the Benjamins are too good for me to pass up and no one's gonna give that to me, which is all well and good. I would be shocked though, if OBJ and Lamar Jackson don't get on the phone, hell, they're FaceTiming after the deal is announced, and they work something out. So to me, the deal signals in such a significant way that lamar jackson is going to be there now i know we don't have anything in place i know there's this contentious you know back and forth uh war of words so to speak or tweets depending on who's firing them between ownership and harbaugh and and jackson but at the end of the day i think obg signing is the best sign for ravens fans that Lamar's going to play under center for them this year
2: i love that Next topic, the rise and fall of the third and fourth quarterbacks in the 2023 NFL Draft. Mm. Well, in the mock draft world anyway. Charles Davis's latest mock sees the Carolina Panthers take Bryce Young. The Texans take C.J. Stroud. But Will Levis is the name that jumps off the page first and earliest. Fourth to the Indianapolis Colts. Mike Yam, Will Levis at four. Are you buying it? No. Ah. No, I'd rather... Chris Ballard, please listen up. <laughs>
3: Look, you signed Gardner Minshew, and I get it. This goes back to my comment earlier on the pod about Taylor Heineke and some names that sometimes we don't gravitate towards. Gardner Minshew, I thought, played well in spot duty for a banged up Jalen Hurts. I know the win-loss record will say differently, but I look at those games and say, hey, you're going to go and try to replace the guy that could have been MVP. Not easy. They were in those ball games. Fine. That said, look, I didn't play quarterback in the NFL. David Carr did. I trust his eyes more than most. I am fascinated that the things that David Carr saw when he was in Lexington for the Pro Day is number one, not more discussed, and number two, if he's seeing it, how are other NFL teams not seeing Remind
2: it? us what he saw, because so, it was not a glowing Yelp review. No. Oh God, it was it was not a five-star Uber ride either.
3: Um, there's some issues there. But I had asked David, hey, like, what are some of the things that stood out to you? He said that there were some questionable throws during the pro day, which is odd, because what do we always hear about pro days? They are rehearsed. Yeah, and you should be thriving you in those You anticipate, situations. you know what's coming. Levis, he talked about his release and some issues there. Now, granted, I think... I'm not one of those guys who says, hey, you can fix a guy's throw, like his throwing motion. I think you come out of the womb and how you throw is how you throw. Like I just, I'm a big believer in that. I understand that there's coaches and people can tweak some things here and there. I do find it fascinating that when I've watched Will Levis throw, the release does look different. And what looks different to me, a novice, is his he's coming across his body more than other quarterbacks. And I'd asked specifically David about that, and he picked up on it as well. It's ob- If I'm seeing it, everyone is seeing it. But he said the spiral, there's some inconsistencies in the spiral, which I had never heard that phrase used before. And he talked about some of the throws that you can't pick up those inconsistencies when you watch on television. But he said when you're there in person, you pick up on those things. And those inconsistencies worry David from an accuracy standpoint when the windows are really small. Um, and he did say, and look, The Colts maybe they go with Will Levis and that's fine like those guys are paid to to go and evaluate David did tell me that there were some other people that he talked to at the pro day that saw the same things that he did which is why I'm not necessarily buying Will Levis at four overall
2: translation uh Mike Yam does not like Will Levis at four but what (laughs) we have learned today about Mike Yam, he admits that no he was not an NFL quarterback but since he clearly came out of the womb ready to throw maybe he should have been The name many of you may be surprised not to see in the latest Mock Draft Top 10 is Anthony Richardson. Now, Charles Davis, Mike, as you saw, sees Anthony Richardson going 11th to the Titans. Now, he may not be in the Top 10, but he is on the show, Adam Rank. Make the introductions, please.
6: We are now joined by one of the best quarterbacks in the 2023 NFL Draft, presented by Bud Light. It is Anthony Richardson who is taking time out of his day, lounging in the gazebo to join us. Anthony, how you doing?
5: I'm good. How about you?
6: Oh, I'm wonderful. Listen, I wish I was there at that gazebo. We'd be throwing back a couple of uh, beverages, whatever, whatever it is. But listen, you're one <laughs> of the uh, select few. I'm excited for you because you're going to get. You got the invitation to go to Kansas City which is going to be awesome to be there in the draft. A couple of weeks ago, you were at the Combine with our own Steve Mariucci. You had this to say when he asked you about the, the quarterback position. Let's take a listen.
0: Who is the best quarterback in
5: this draft? I am. Why? Because of what I'm capable of doing. I can do a lot of things that other quarterbacks can't do. Like what? Making people miss, open field, running people over. And then I can, I can <laughs> throw the ball just as well as anybody in this job, So I feel like I can do it all.
6: I love the confidence. Did that – where does that come from i mean where where do you i mean there, you, there's some good guys in this draft as well is that just something the, the confidence is something you've always had
5: oh definitely you know being a ball player you gotta have confidence you know because uh being on the field other guys going to have confidence so uh, i like to uh, have a little swagger to tell myself have confidence because when I'm confident and I'm playing smooth nobody can stop me
6: i love that attitude and it's funny too because you know we've seen Bryce young for a lot of years we saw him at modern day and all that stuff coming through the ranks. This season, you started 12 games, and now all, now you're sitting there. You're going to Kansas City. You're going to be a part of the draft. You're likely going to be a top 10 overall selection. What has that change been like for you? Like, what is what? How has your life changed since September of last year?
5: You no, know, it's definitely been different. You know, definitely uh, an exciting experience. You know, uh, I would have never thought I would have been in this situation as soon as as I am. You know, uh, it's a blessing to even be a part of the job with Bryce Young, CJ. Hendon Hooker, Will Leverage, No, you know, it's, it's a blessing to be a part of the job with those guys and to be recognized as one of the top guys, you know, it's a blessing and I'm thankful for it. So, uh, God has blessed me to be in this position and I'm just making the most of it and just living my life.
6: What's it been like walking around? Now, obviously, you're probably being, being recognized A lot more. Do people hound you? Do they ask you, like, where are you going? Where do you think you're going? Do you get that a lot now?
5: Uh, Surprisingly, not as much as I thought I would. You know, a lot of people keep saying, oh, come to this team. Come to this team. And I tell them, I wish I could pick. But uh, surprisingly, people, you know, they're respectful. Um, They're just, you know, going along with the journey with me. So they're not uh, hounding me as as much as I, I thought.
6: Good. Well, I'm happy to hear that. I'm glad they're giving you some respect. You can go to the Waffle House and not be harangued. Uh, but during this run-up to the draft, you visited with multiple teams. Uh, what have you learned from these trips?
5: You know, I, I just been trying to figure out the expectations, you know. Um, like you said, one of these teams will potentially select me one day. And I'm just trying to figure out what, what they're expecting from me they want. And, you know, making sure I have that stuff in my tool bag. And, you know, I can live up to the standard that they want me. And, you know, just be the the quarterback that they want, the quarterback that that they drafted.
6: How comfortable will you be if you go to a team that has an established veteran and perhaps you wait a year or two to get on the field? Is that something you would be comfortable with, or you want to go in there and be a a starter on day one?
5: You know, me as a competitor, you know, I always want to go in and play day one. You know, uh, that's just something I've always been doing since a youngin', you know, just going in and playing, you know, day one. But as I got older, I, feel, I learned that, you know, football is all about experience and, and knowledge. And uh, going to sit behind a veteran, you know, that would be a blessing because I get to take the game from him and then have a minute to myself and go out there, going out there and play ball.
6: You know, it's funny because one of the stories that I heard from uh, about you coming into the draft is that ultimately you wanted to be a firefighter. Um, is that something that you still have in the back of your mind that potentially when you're, when you're done with your playing days that you would like to be a firefighter?
5: Uh, I thought about it, but, you know, I plan on playing this game for a long time. So uh, I don't I don't think a you know, firefighter is something that will fit me, you know, when the time does come. So uh, I plan on becoming like a mentor or maybe a teacher, you know, just helping the younger generation is helping people. That's, that's something I always wanted to do.
6: All right. Well, my buddy Michael, he's a firefighter here in Inglewood, just around the corner. So next time you come to the building, we'll go to the station and uh, we can go hang out and do stuff like that. But I want to thank you so much uh, for joining us here today. Uh, it's been a pleasure watching you and watching you as you uh, continue to go through this uh, progression and everything. So good luck to you. Good luck in Kansas city and hope to talk to you real soon.
5: Yes, sir. I appreciate you.
0: You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better.
2: Mike Yam, you heard what Anthony Richardson had to say. I think the part of that interview that stood out the most to me is his willingness and his eagerness, really, to learn behind an established NFL quarterback. Now learning behind, he said it would be a blessing if that were the case. I love that attitude. I think that's probably the perfect situation for him, especially if we agree with our experts like David Carr, who label him more of a project than a Sunday-ready pro. But if Charles Davis is right, and Anthony Richardson were to go to the Titans, let's say, at 11, is Ryan Tannehill that pro that he's learning behind? I guess that's not so bad, right, Ryan Tannehill, in the final year of his contract. Do you see another team or two on the board that you think, based on Richardson's comments, would be a good place, a good fit for him?
3: Okay, I don't hate Tennessee, but I will say this. They drafted Malik Willis last year, and we were having conversations about Malik Willis this time last year as a guy that could be the first quarterback off the board. Um, now, granted, a third-round guy, we saw Kenny go. he'd be the only guy in the first round. There was that run of quarterbacks in round number three. Willis was one of those dudes. I know it's meaningless um, when you talk about preseason and what a guy does, but I always said last year the most exciting player in the NFL during the preseason was Malik Willis. It was! Now, he was! It, it, it's also concerning at the
2: end of the year when they needed to turn to Malik Willis. They did not turn to Malik Willis. No, because when he started his first game and they had an entire week to prep – We saw him go out there. I'm sorry, but based on the eye test, this was a young man who was simply not ready ready for the moment, which is alarming because it wasn't like a third-quarter injury. He came in and didn't look good. He had a week of prep, and he went out there, and he looked like the moment was simply too big for him.
3: Yeah, and I think that's
2: the issue. So if you're Tennessee, now it's a third-round pick, right,
3: because we have the same conversations about Tampa Bay that's got Kyle Trask that they took in the second round sitting in the wings here, and they go and get Baker Mayfield, and we're like, yo, is Kyle ever going to get an opportunity? here. We're ready to move on. That's how quick things move in the NFL. You don't really have necessarily time, depending on who you are and when you're drafted, to get the leeway to learn that Anthony Richardson sounds like he's willing to do. I don't hate the Tennessee spot for Anthony Richardson. But
2: let's say it's not Tennessee. Do you see another team out there that you think might be a good fit i have heard rumblings that the vikings would be interested sure. in moving all the way from 23. some people see them going all the way to 10. let's say they go to 10 and somebody maybe overreaches based on our previous comments about will levis and anthony richardson is sitting there waiting for the vikings at 10. do you see that as a good place for him to learn behind an established consummate some say robotic pro like her cousins i
3: i think that's definitely a good fit there i'd make the same case for detroit Here's what I will say on a lot of these mocks. I love that. Uh, Detroit maybe
2: as early as six or waiting to get him with that second pick at 18. Here's
3: here's the issue that I have here. I know the mocks say one thing. I think when it's real, it's going to be so much different. Like, number one... I don't think the Colts pick at four. I've been telling you this for a while. I think Arizona's phones ring in. I think they move up to number three or some team moves up to number three. Yes, sir. I don't buy this narrative that of the four quarterbacks, whoever they are in whatever order, and Richardson and Levis being three and four, I don't think anyone falls outside of the top 10. You don't. And I also don't think that Hendon Hooker is picked in the 20s. I think you're going to see a run of quarterbacks at the top when when Bryce and CJ go and then it's will levis at some point three four anthony richardson three four you're telling me that another nfl team that potentially likes hooker needs a quarterback feels like he's better than what's what's available later in the draft they're not going to move up to get him. i think you're going to see five quarterbacks taken in the first 15 picks I'd five be quarterbacks otherwise. in the first
2: 15 if we take you at your word or at your presumption that four of those quarterbacks will go or very well may go in the first 10. Let's again just finish put a close the loop yeah. on the Anthony Richardson conversation. So established quarterbacks that he could learn behind, in theory three to the cardinals but we simply just don't see the cardinals taking a quarterback at three in your estimation that's a movable piece for them they're entertaining calls they're probably trading out of that spot the colts no the seahawks yes potentially the seahawks with geno smith the lions potentially the lions learning behind a jared goff potentially the raiders at seven learning behind jimmy g the falcons at eight that's a no the bears Justin Fields isn't old enough to be considered a veteran quarterback and I think it sends the wrong message to Justin Fields so I don't see that happening and then of course you've got the Eagles there at 10 I don't think that's a good message to Jalen Hurts either so those are maybe either movable pieces again or the names we just mentioned Seahawks, Lions, and Raiders maybe those are the most likely spots
3: and I to me and I think what you're saying is very logical and I think there's a ton of people um that will come on this podcast and agree with you here, the only pushback, the only team to me that makes sense for Richardson is the Raiders. Number one, Jimmy G is not in San Francisco because of injury concerns. A couple years ago when they draft Trey Lance, Shanahan and John Lynch, both those guys on record saying the only reason why we're moving up is because Jimmy hasn't been able to stay healthy. They communicated that with him. So that's not breaking news. So the Raiders seem like a fit to me. I push back on Detroit and I push back on Seattle. Two teams that have to feel like they are not that far away from potentially making a run in the postseason and if it's me i am not using a top 10 pick on a guy that's not going to be on the football field i'm sorry jared goff's going to be out there geno smith they just paid to me give me some give me some guys that are going to contribute this year this upcoming season that can be a difference maker for me and not every team and just for clarification purposes here not every team is going to have 32 players with a first round grade most teams I was talking to, to Chad Ryder about this the other day. Most teams will have 15 to 20 players that they think have a first-round grade, which means if you're picking in the top 10, you get to go and get an elite guy who can contribute right away. If I am Seattle or Detroit, I feel like I'm pretty close. I'm not I'm not taking the developmental quarterback.
2: Listener, Charles Davis absolutely agrees with what Mike Yam is saying. In Charles Davis's latest mock draft, he sees the Seattle Seahawks taking Will Anderson. At five, the edge rusher out of Alabama and the Detroit Lions really benefiting from a fall of Jalen Carter, the defensive tackle out of Georgia, who some believe is the most talented player in this draft at six. So Charles Davis agrees with Mike Yam. Next topic, two for two picks for four NFL teams in the first round of the draft. What should they do with those picks? That's the question. Here are some answers in the form of some well-informed opinions from the TA set.
3: All right, let's take a closer look at the teams, and there are four of them with multiple picks in the first round. The Texans, the Seahawks, the Lions, and I get it. Everyone around the country is like, the Eagles got two first-round picks? you got to be kidding me. Yeah, they're ready to rock and roll. Meanwhile, we're direction should those teams go with some of those picks James I'm gonna start with you let's go Texans 2 and 12 and they got that 12th pick in the Deshaun Watson Cleveland deal so with those selections what's the best fit what makes the most sense
8: yeah let's not overthink this right there's a lot going around about that second overall pick take what's there for you and it's going to be the quarterback that the Carolina Panthers don't take and I'm going to go with CJ Stroud as Carolina goes with Bryce Young at number one if you look at everything that the Texans have done this offseason, it's really pointed towards starting a rookie quarterback week one. You go and get Case Keenum, a veteran quarterback, at the very start of free agency specifically, I'm told, because of how he works with a young quarterback in the room. You go get Dalton Schultz from Dallas to come in on a one-year deal. What's better than a veteran tight end a young starting quarterback so then I look at number 12 and you could go a weapon for that quarterback Jackson Smith and Jig, but perhaps Shroud's teammate. no I'll go with Lucas Van Ness because this defense also needs a ton of help last year against the run like historically bad one of the worst we've seen but after Jalen Carter those guys that play D tackle clog things up in the middle there's kind of a deep gap until you get to another one of them there's a lot of edge rushers yeah. that could be available at 12 so get one that can play standing up on the out Side can also slide inside and get down and play in front of the guard and play with you against stopping the run and getting at the quarterback I think helping both sides of the ball an important part with those two picks
3: yeah James I love it because I know a lot of our conversations are quarterback and wide receiver I'm glad you're highlighting a defensive player that could be a great fit for that team uh, fans in Denver right now they are rolling their eyes Seahawks they got the fifth pick because
4: of that Russell Wilson deal they
3: also have the 20th Brandon which way are we going
4: Listen, I'm with you, James. Let's not overthink this. I'm assuming that the Cardinals trade out of that third pick and all four quarterbacks go in in the first four picks. Excuse me. And so that leaves the Seahawks to continue to strengthen their defense and go get Will Anderson Jr., right? One of the most talented players in the draft. They re-signed Bobby Wagner. You got Jamal Adams coming back off an injury. You got Quandre Diggs in the back end as a ball hawk. Got a bunch of leaders on that defense. And as we always say in the NFL – rush and coverage work together. So they're, look, they're going to use that pick and continue to strengthen up that defense, continue to have an amazing arsenal of weapons back there that they can continue to rely on and give Geno Smith more opportunities to throw the ball and do what he does best. With the 20th pick, however, we're going to go with Osiris Torrance, right? Yeah. Now you want to give Geno some protection. You've signed him to a nice deal. You want to get a big guy in the middle that he can rely on. You can run the ball, give Gino some uh, protection and allow him to stay upright and deliver the ball to some of the weapons that he has on the outside. So I got to go with Will Anderson Jr. with the fifth pick and then the 20th pick. Let's get big in the middle and let's get Osiris Torrance, 6'6", 330 pounds. Listen, hide the buffet.
3: All right, let's go with uh, some of those big boys. The Lions, meanwhile, I know we talked about the Rams. They have the sixth pick because of the Matthew Stafford deal. They're also selecting
8: at 18. James, who do you like? I think at six, and you look at your defense where you were 30th against the pass, 30th on third down, and you're going to have your choice – of the best cornerback in your mind in this draft, and I think it's going to be Devin Witherspoon. And that is DJ's top corner on his top 50 prospects. And you look at the way he plays extremely physical, ton of energy, he's got a lot of attitude. That fits Dan Campbell to a T. I know they went and got Cam Sutton. I know they got Emmanuel Mosley, but he's coming off the ACL. Sutton's 28, can play inside and outside. I think this is a really good pick to help your secondary. And then you slide down to 18. You could go tight end here. Maybe Dalton Kincaid help out an offense that was top five, but I stick with defense again and get Kalijah Kansi from hit and I think having someone up front that can get after the quarterback and rushing from the interior to help out Aiden Hutchinson in his second season extremely important for a front that once again a defense that needs to make big strides to keep up with an offense that played very well last year two defensive picks in the first round can help you do that.
3: Yeah, it makes a ton of sense for a variety of reasons and if you're worried about backfilling with Jamal Williams this is a very deep running back class meanwhile the Eagles coming off a Super Bowl appearance 10th and the 30th pick Brandon, which direction are we leaning?
4: With the 10th pick, I'm assuming Jalen Carter is still going to be there and the Philadelphia Eagles are going to go get him. They're going to add to that veteran defensive line that they already have, surround him with some leadership that can help him maximize his potential in the NFL. Potential is unlimited. And when you have some other guys that he can lean on that can really groom him into the man and the player that he can be, this could be a really, really scary thing for a lot of opponents. He's also going to be able to play with some of his former teammates in Jordan Davis and the Kobe Dean. So I'm loving this pick. And then with the 30th pick, we're going to look to strengthen up the back end. In the offseason, they let go or they lost C.J. Gardner-Johnson, the free agency, so they're going to go get Brian Branch out of University of Alabama, man. This guy's a hard-hitting safety. He's not afraid to put his nose on people. Uh, he's going to come down and, and make – the lives of the entire defense a little bit easier, knowing that he'll be all over the field. So I think the Philadelphia Eagles are gonna be really, really excited to see him there and land there uh, so that he can continue to strengthen up that defense.
3: Yeah, I think once again, we're talking about backfilling with some of these free agent defections, so to speak. I think a lot of your selections, Brandon, in a lot of ways, make some sense.
1: Visit livenation.com slash concertweek to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.
7: Snag a Job is where America goes to hire, with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all in one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire, part time or full time. You name the position So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire.
2: You are listening to NFL Total Access, the podcast. Andrew Levy with Mike Yam and Yammer. Trip that sound effect right there, please. Thank you very much. That is the sound. That is the signal that we are back on the clock in our countdown to the 2023 NFL Draft. The 2023 NFL Draft presented by Verizon. Coverage begins Thursday, April 27th at 8 p.m. Eastern. And today we turn the spotlight on a franchise and a fan base that is perfectly comfortable basking in the warm glow of main stage attention, the New Orleans Saints. What does history say about the New Orleans Saints? Well their origin story dates to 1967, that's 57 seasons in the NFL. Their overall record, not a winning record, 403 wins, 460 losses and 5 ties. That is the 24th best win percentage in NFL history at 4-6-7. Now Super Bowls, if you get them to a Super Bowl, they're going to win it one appearance one win.
7: Get ready to party with the Lombardi, New Orleans. It's already
8: it's already started. I promise you, my friend. <laughs>
2: Their overall playoff record, 10 wins, 13 losses. The Saints made the playoffs in nine of the 15 seasons that Drew Brees was in New Orleans, but they have not made the playoffs since he retired after the 2020 season. Their winningest coach, don't think too long and hard about this one. It's Sean Payton. 152 wins, 89 losses, no ties. They also have zero Zero retired jerseys. One of those teams that values team over individual. I kind of like that. Ten players, coaches, executives in the Hall of Fame. Guys like Sam Mills, Willie Rofe, Ricky Jackson, Jim Finks, and the kicker of all kickers, Morton Anderson. Now, what were they in 2022? Well, their record says they were 7-10. and 10. That was good enough, or bad enough, rather, for third in the NFC South. And they were a not a typical NFL mashup of one good unit and one not-so-good unit. Let's start with the good.
8: And the Saints get a 24-0 shutout. This
4: was the New Orleans Saints team we've been waiting on.
2: The Saints could claim a defense that ranked 5th in the NFL, 2nd against the pass, 6th in the red zone, 5th in sacks.
4: Saints bring 4, but there's pressure, he'll go down! That is going to be Cam
2: Jordan. They were also fifth in preventing the big play and third in yards per play on defense. But they were 30th in creating turnovers. Must improve there. Must also improve and very likely will improve just about everywhere on that offense. They ranked 19th overall, 21st in the red zone, 22nd in scoring, 26th in big plays, and 27th in giving the ball away. Be greedier be better as for off-season activity so far significant Quarterback Derek Carr, of course, leads the list of new Saints. But they have added D-tackle help in Kalen Saunders and Nathan Shepard. They brought in running back Jamal Williams from Detroit, safety Jonathan Abram from Seattle, and wide receiver Brian Edwards. They did extend the contract of Jameis Winston. Important to keep that in mind. A guy who knows the offense, knows the team, and provides some depth at the quarterback position for Derek Carr, Andy Dalton out the door. As for team needs in the draft, NFL.com identifies those needs as defensive line, tight end, and offensive line. They have eight picks to address those needs. The 29th overall pick in the first round. Then they have picks in the second, the third, the fourth. They have two picks in the fifth and two picks in the seventh. Okay, Mike Yam, thank you for your patience there. When I say New Orleans Saints, Mike Yam, where does your mind go? Uh, Mr. Carr their new quarterback I don't know if that it that
3: to me has to be the starting point for what they've done in this offseason I love the Jamal Williams pickup as well but watching them a seven and 10 season a year ago knowing the talent that's in place here to have a steady ship we know what Jameis is no disrespect to Andy Dalton and those types of players but The fact that they now have stability at the quarterback spot, to me, is going to make all the difference in the world in a very gettable division to me. And I don't know if you agree with this, but I think
2: they are the team to beat right now in that division. It is hard not to see them as the class of the outfit, as the team to beat in that NFC South. I completely agree, especially when you consider that the reigning division champions finished 22 at eight and nine and didn't have a run game to speak of and lost their legendary quarterback. So yes, I believe the power shift is in place. New Orleans, it's hard to think that this division is anything but New Orleans Saints division to lose. New Orleans Saints history, if you widen your scope not just to the team that we expect to see on the field in 2023, but a little bit of history. What are the names that come to mind? Is it, is it some obvious stuff? Is it some Drew Brees and... And Reggie Bush and others like him those are the first two that
3: certainly come to mind for me I mean Drew Brees you're talking about you know if there's a Mount Rushmore of quarterbacks you know Brees is right on the cusp of being on on that list you know Reggie comes to mind but I think for different reasons I still think of Reggie Bush more of a college guy what he was able to do at SC there's these dynamic moves that he makes even at the NFL level and we saw that but to me it's hard not to think about the success that organization has had over the last few years without drew Brees, and not for nothing i think sean payton's got to be in that mix as well you're absolutely and it's, right it's and thank where you for talk, name checking him because coaches. that's
2: absolutely right sean payton wasn't just a part of that era he was a defining feature of that era sean payton should get a large portion of the credit for what we saw that saints team able to do during the what we think of as the drew Brees era what's the best moment in your recollection you're an nfl historian what's the best moment is it the super bowl win well that's still the pantheon there i mean i I,
3: outside of like one moment the you know when drew Brees is breaking quarterback records as well yes there was a run there where it felt like every week there was a new record that was going every week
2: we saw his family on the sidelines and there were tears of joy and and it was it was a pretty regular thing you're right
7: (laughs) Steps up, finds time wide open, and there it is. Drew Breeze to Devery Henderson. records for the ages
3: you know i don't want to i mean i think anytime you talk about a super bowl it's easy to just gravitate towards that and i I hate to make it an individual accomplishment thing but at least in my head recently i do think about those moments of breeze where you know we're doing highlights and you sit there and you go oh yeah i just broke this record oh it's him and tom brady going back and forth and every other week they're swapping hey if breeze has another big time performance he'll get back in front of you know the goat it's to me that's like the, the 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 really cool more recent, um, some of those moments have certainly come to mind. Um, you know, I'm sort of thinking about some of those other coaches, the the Moors of the world, and, and some of those press conferences. Yeah, for sure. Those
2: sound bites, yeah. I'm old enough to actually conjure up the name Archie Manning because... Oh, yeah. I remember watching... I didn't watch him live, but I remember my father talking about Archie Manning, I remember those those old uniforms, the white uniforms with the gold and black stripes, yeah. and thinking that those were kind of cool. I loved the helmet, and then I loved watching those, the videos of Archie Manning just running for his life, but making something out of nothing more often than not. I thought those were fantastic you know, images to see uh, the NFL Films days, but I also cannot separate my love for the Saints fan base, and I've never been to a game at the oh, Superdome. Yeah from our colleagues here, our analysts, former players, that the Superdome is one of the most difficult places to play, that it is incredibly loud, that there is a menace to that environment as a, as a traveling opponent going into that environment. The expectation is, is that you are going to struggle and you are going to lose, and more often than not, that is the case. I love Saints fans. I uh, really do.
3: You know, I got one more for you, and I think it speaks to what maybe the coolest part about working in sports is for us because i think when you watch the games there's the entertainment value that comes with it but you and i've had these conversations off air andrew where it is abundantly clear sports can be used as a vehicle to bring people together and i think one moment i was i wasn't that young i mean i just graduated college in 2003 and i remember i was working in midtown manhattan hurricane katrina comes around and it was you know for I'll say kid, because I I think when you're still in your early 20s, you're still a kid. Um, I didn't think that when I was in my early 20s. But now that I'm 41, I can say that. But (laughs) when you're in your early 20s, I remember thinking to myself, vividly remember going out, uh, happy hour for drinks, grabbing dinner with one of my really good buds, uh, who was also a Giants fan. And we were just texting the other day. And he probably wouldn't remember this, but the images and then talking about how that was actually possible in this country. Yeah. How you couldn't get help and relief yes. down to the people who really needed it because of Hurricane Katrina. And then you think about, you know, everyone going into, you know, the stadium and the, the stories that were coming from it. And you know, we all have our fandom, right? Like I'm a Giants fan. You're a Commanders fan. We, we've talked about this on the podcast, but I got to tell you, like, I don't know who wasn't a Saints fan that year. You're absolutely right. So like, right. there's we like this were. touch of humanity that comes. And you with remember sports. what
2: happened in that first home game yeah? after. Yeah. the Steve Gleason blocked punt.
4: Let's look out right through. A kick block by Steve Gleason. It is and scored by Curtis Deloitte.
6: Touchdown New Orleans
2: still has the power to bring my hairs on end. In fact, I'm kind of getting those my wow. mother calls them the cribbles she's German. I'm not sure what that means, but I'm getting them now just thinking about that moment and thinking about how it brought such a moment of joy and relief to a fan base who Desperately, desperately needed something positive to latch onto.
3: Doesn't it always feel like those moments happen, though? Like getting back to the New York thing. 9-11 happens. I'm a Mets fan. Piazza goes out there, hits a home run. Like, yeah. it's the greatest home run yeah. in the history of baseball in my mind. And, of course, you know, baseball historians will say you're crazy. But if you're a fan, you live in that city, went through those experiences, you just wanted something to rally around. Damar Hamlin recently, right? Like, you give me a touchdown return on an opening kickoff. Without Are you
2: kidding Without me? Like, doubt. this is... Yeah, that's a
3: good point. Like, I don't even know how to quantify, like, a moment like that. But yet, here it is. Sports just, once again, just consistently delivering on the heels of the most I was going to use a bad word but bad stuff happening
2: yeah without a doubt oh look it's possible that professional athletes can be angels just in a in an unexpected form in the outfield (laughs) nfl.com identifies the New Orleans Saints needs in the draft as defensive line tight end and offensive line what's the perfect draft for the Saints not necessarily a player but a position group the Saints will be best off if they finish the draft with what
3: okay I think there's a lot of different ways this team can go edge comes to mind offensive line comes to mind and I'll throw out receiver I think if you look on paper the room looks really good but if I just spent the amount of money that I did to go and get Derek Carr I have some questions about the running back position outside of Jamal Williams maybe I'm thinking about running back to a little bit later in this draft yes sir I think there's some guys. That they could focus in on. Um, Andrews, Pete, getting a little bit older. They already drafted Trevor Penning um, at the left tackle spot. Uh, I'll throw out some names here. You know, if a Jalen Hyatt's available, yep. maybe um, Cody Mock, who's a guy that has been celebrated because of his versatility. I am certainly not an expert when it comes to offensive line play, so I'll lean on the guys who certainly are. Brian Baldinger comes to mind. Daniel Jeremiah, who's got as an astute an eye of of anyone which is why he's our lead draft analyst he was calling the senior bowl i was in studio for that doing pre-half and post and they couldn't stop talking about cody versatility on the offensive line he could be gettable for them
2: Uh, at 29 at 29 there's no doubt so jalen hyatt may also be there at 29 so that may be a very difficult decision for them to make but an interesting one for them to make and we will certainly keep our eye on it mike am thank you so much for your time today let me get you to finish by finishing this sentence i wouldn't be surprised if the 2023 new orleans saints did what host a conference championship game host a conference championship game i wonder how you see that going down as the Number one overall seed, or no, a two or a three seed, and the seeds above get knocked off in the wild card or divisional round, <laughs> paving the way for an NFC championship game in New Orleans. I tried to give you
3: clickbait, and I was hoping you wouldn't follow up because I, now I'm going to have to go on record with something. Um, <laughs> look i I think it's just a matter of getting this to the scenario. dance though. I
2: love this yeah
3: I don't I don't think they I don't think the number one overall seed but I do think they're going to win the division I think that puts them in a pretty good spot and I feel good about Derek like Derek Carr and I, I'm not just saying this because David's one of our colleagues and one of our good buds but if you do look historically at what they've had to go through in Vegas with him, he hasn't had a team like this before. So I do feel pretty good. It's, it's nice to be able to flip the bird, so to speak to someone who didn't necessarily want you and get it done with the team that did, uh, once again, I think I think they're the leaders of the pack in that division, which gets to the dance and, and makes something
2: happen. Amazing. Okay, Mike, aim. You are famously a Giants fan. You've admitted that a couple of times on today's show, and we love you for it. But as such, you're terrible casting for the next segment. So, get lost <laughs> as Out? we throw open the doors to the NFL Hall of Fans. Cue the music. <laughs> Fans like production assistant Kiana Martin, who is a Saints fan because she remembers visiting family in New Orleans when she was younger and she completely fell in love with the culture, the city, and what she calls those crazy fans. That was right around the time Drew Brees signed with the Saints, Kiana remembers, and not a lot of people had faith in a city that had been demoralized by Hurricane Katrina. The Saints, she admitted, didn't have a ton of talent at that time. They had a brand new, unproven head coach and a new quarterback who had, if you recall, torn his rotator cuff in his right throwing shoulder that same year, which certainly ended his stint with the chargers she had every reason she says to root for any other team but she's a california girl watched a lot of usc games growing up and says that the reggie bush draft pretty much sealed it
3: with the uh, second choice in the 2006 nfl draft the new orleans saints select reggie bush running back usc
2: and then she visited new orleans and that confirmed it. She loved the us against the world approach that Sean Payton brought. And yes, she admits the last few years have been tough, but Kiana can't imagine rooting for any other team. She loves the black and gold and will always proudly shout, "Houdat." Her favorite ever Saints player? Interesting choice, Marquise Colston. Marcus Colston makes a spectacular catch for a Saints touchdown. Kiana calls him the best wide receiver to ever play for the Saints, and she still doesn't believe that he is praised as much as he should be. She, of course, does name-check Drew Brees, loves her some Drew Brees, who repped the city so well, she says, and turned a laughingstock into a juggernaut. She remembers the best day to be a Saints fan. She remembers it like it was yesterday. It was January 24th, 2010. Her heart was racing. She remembers saying to herself, please don't mess this up. We've come too far. This is our year fourth quarter, 19 seconds on the clock. Minnesota has the ball on the New Orleans 38-yard line on what would have likely been a game-winning drive for the Vikings and a dream-ending drive for the Saints. And then who stepped up? Tracy Porter stepped up.
8: to his right, throws,
2: Saints kicked the game-winning field goal in overtime in that Vikings game, and then, of course, they went on to play in and win the Super Bowl. Kiana says it will be the perfect draft for my Saints if they get a wide receiver, a tight end, a safety, some help at outside linebacker, and, yes, a quarterback, she says. Got a dream, right? She smiles. And Kiana finishes by saying she wouldn't be surprised if the Saints make it to the playoffs but then lose In the first round fans like researcher blake ware who says he's a saints fan because he didn't have a team growing up in southern cal so he let his fandom for players be his guide and he loved drew Brees with the chargers and reggie bush with the usc trojans and when they both landed in new orleans blake's mind was made for him each week they delivered a jolt
7: of pure excitement for fans Fake the end around. Now they give it on the reverse to Bush. Bush looking for a block. Nesbitt tries to throw it inside the 10-5. Diving for the pylon. Yeah,
2: he's in. His favorite ever Saints player, Drew Brees, for his leadership and everything he did for the New Orleans community, Blake says. His best memory, also a Drew Brees moment, lifting the Saints' only ever Lombardi trophy. The Saints' name forever engraved on that trophy, that moment forever engraved in Blake Ware's memory.
1: The miracle in Miami
2: has happened. The Saints have won the Super Bowl. It'll be the perfect draft if Derek Carr ends up with some pieces to help him on offense and a solid edge rusher. And Blake says he would love it if Michael Mayer, that Notre Dame tight end, is selected by the Saints at the end of that first round. And finally, Blake wouldn't be surprised if his 2023 New Orleans Saints Get to the Super Bowl. Derek Carr back in Vegas. Blake says, we have all the pieces we need. We improved at quarterback, and now all we need to do is stay competitive and stay healthy. Fans like reporter, anchor, host, draft expert, and announcer Rhett Lewis, who says, I am a Saints fan because my dad was the head athletic trainer for 30 years and is a Saints Hall of Famer. I see you, Dean Kleinschmidt. Rhett says his favorite ever player is the city champ Ricky Jackson, one of the best pass rushers of all time. Rhett says pressure being hit and
7: sacked at the twenty-nine. Ricky Jackson.
2: Ricky Jackson just comes on the blitz, and he always took time to hang out with me when I was in the building with my dad. Rhett's favorite ever Saints memory was clinching the NFC West division title in 1991, cha-ching, and following the cha-champs' magical season that year.
4: Bless you boys and cha-ching. The Saints are officially the NFC Western division champions for the first time in 25 years.
2: Rhett says the perfect draft for his Saints would be to include the selection of what he calls the most physically imposing prospect in the draft, one darnell washington that monolithically large tight end out of georgia rhett sees him likely picked at 29 if he were to fall to the saints and finally rhett says i wouldn't be surprised if the saints selected a defensive lineman either interior or on the edge to help deal with attrition amongst that group this offseason And fans like Rashid Shaheed, who you'll recognize that name, is in fact the up-and-coming star in that Saints wide receiver room. Now, Rashid credits history as his favorite ever subject at Weber State, but right now he's studying chemistry, as in building chemistry with new boy Derek Carr. His freshman year in the NFL is behind him. He's a sophomore now, so make way in the hallway for Rashid Shahid. Welcome to the pod, sir.
9: Thank you for having me. So glad I could be here.
2: 28 receptions, 488 yards. That's over 17 yards a grab. You did the most with every opportunity, two touchdowns to boot. Rashid, what's the plan for an encore, man?
9: Uh, To continue to do the same thing that I've always done. Um, Continue to work hard and stay grounded and um, just continue to try to make plays for my team whenever. The opportunity presents itself. Um, thankfully, last year I, I had opportunities and um, I just got to continue to capitalize. So, more come my way.
2: I tell you what, uh, I cannot overstate it. The, the you know, you, you know, the old phrase we all do, you never get a second chance to make a first impression. I mean, when it comes to that in the NFL, you're on a very short list of people who had an extraordinary, exceptional, explosive, electric first impression. Your story is amazing to me. Out of Weber State, undrafted, signed by the Saints. In your very first game, what happened? This happened.
1: Dalton gives
7: it to the back to the wide receiver. That's Shahid. Shahid's got room around. 25-20. 15-10. rasheed Shaheed. Welcome to the NFL.
2: Rashid well played man I mean listen that's extraordinary ripping off a 44 yard touchdown in your first game I'm certain you remember that moment can you take me back to that moment how it felt how it felt while you were running into the end zone were you smiling were you just buzzing were you thinking yeah you're damn right this is why I'm here
9: no it's actually funny that you mentioned that um I definitely was smiling there's a clip that you could see on that somebody shot I'm literally smiling as I'm crossing the goal line And after that moment, I I didn't gain like what was going on until I got to the sidelines and I got a chance to just kind of take a deep breath. And I was like, that really just happened. And it it was a moment I'll never forget. Um, As soon as the play was called in the huddle, I was like, "Okay, this is is, I'm here. I'm I'm on the field and I'm about to touch the football for the first time. So. I need to make the most of it, and and thankfully I was able to.
2: Rounding up to the nearest hundred, how many text messages did you have waiting for you on your
8: phone when oh, you man. got back to the locker room that day,
9: huh? I didn't even bother to bother to check until I got home, and it was nothing but love, nothing but, uh, like, I, that's another moment. I'll never forget all the love and support that I got from, you know, from high school friends to high school uh, teachers to college friends, college coaches, just everybody. It's, it's been a great ride, and I um, wouldn't take anything back.
2: When you get to the NFL, we hear players all the time talk about having to learn how to make that transition from Saturday football to Sunday football. And and part of the learning process, as I understand it, based on anecdotes that I hear, it's learning how to be a pro. Who's that guy for you in that Saints locker room? Who's the guy that turns your head and makes you think, okay, if I can do it a little bit more like him, I'll be better off?
9: Um, I'd say Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas, I, I learned that he is a hard worker. As soon as I got there, he's the hardest worker, one of the hardest workers I've ever seen. And, you know, it it shows when he's on the field. He's the most dominant player. He's he's a legend in New Orleans community, and it's for a reason because he goes each and every day he attacks it. He attacks practice the right way. His mentality is the right, the right, exactly what you need. So I say that's a guy that I I watch closely, and and it's a guy that's right sitting across from me in the receiver room. So uh, it makes it easy. Um, He's dedicated to what he does, and he loves the game, and he's passionate about it. And I feel like not a lot of people – Um, see that side of him Um, so I'm I'm here to tell it that he's hardest worker and and he's going to get the job done and he's always going to prepare like he's like he's the best so that that's definitely a guy that I
2: admire a young man by the name of Derek Carr is now your quarterback in New Orleans And a lot of hope, a lot of expectation, a lot of hype will surround that move. My question for you is this. In the media, and certainly in fandom, we always talk about and hear about building chemistry, how important it is to build chemistry between a quarterback and a wide receiver, certainly between a quarterback and a wide receiver who have never played with each other before. So how do you build chemistry?
9: A lot of time, a lot of time spent within these next few months uh, before the season really just just him just getting a feel of of how I move and how we all you know us uh, like Michael Thomas and Chris how we all you know getting out of our breaks or you know at different speeds and different routes um you know just finding the timing of things that that's going to come it's not going to come immediately but um you know the the work that we get um throughout OTAs and all the time after OTAs we're going to take advantage of it just so we can build that chemistry and um just so on Sundays, you know, everything kind of just flow and he, he feels comfortable with all of us. And, and, you know, that's a big thing that, you know, a receiver, you want your quarterback to feel comfortable throwing the ball. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to have to stay on him and I'm sure he's going to stay on on all of us. Um, he, he's a leader and, and he's a well-known leader in this league. And, um, you know, I, none of that is going to stop and he's going to um, expect a lot out of us. And, um, you know, and we're all up for the challenge.
2: Rashid, I wish you the very best of luck this season. My final question to you is this. Please finish the following sentence. I wouldn't be surprised if the 2023 New Orleans Saints did what this season?
9: Super Bowl champions.
2: I want to thank today's special guests, Rashid Shaheed from the New Orleans Saints and, of course, our very good friend, Mike Yam. Oh, and don't forget those resident Saints fans. Thank you so much for giving us your time and sharing with us your stories. Are the Saints destined to win the NFC South? Is Derek Carr destined to play a revenge game of sorts in Vegas, the home of his former team in Super Bowl 58? Well, time will tell and fate will have a say in that, too. And we will be watching. I want to invite you to join us again tomorrow when our countdown to the draft stops in Charlotte, North Carolina. They are the keeper of the number one pick. They are the Black Cats. They are the Carolina Panthers. What were they in 2022? What will they be in 2023? Who should they take at number one? And can they compete to be number one in that NFC South? Answers tomorrow. Till then, ciao for now. NFL Total Access is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or
0: wherever you get your podcasts. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better.